Okay, we'd like to welcome you back uh, to our third part of our current event and weekly Bible study for September 11th, 2010. Next article is entitled, New Obama Satoro Executive Order. This is by Devi Kidd. Um, and she's a, like a researcher, and uh, this is just from 9-4 of this year. Lieutenant Colonel Terry Larkin is undergoing court-martial proceedings for challenging Obama Barry Satoro's eligibility. He's under court-martial proceedings. The judge ruled a couple days ago that he will not be allowed discovery regarding any documents regarding the criminal in the White House and his citizenship status. I like how she refers to Obama as just the criminal in the White House. Very accurate statement. She goes on to say, I went over the uh, White House website, and yes, how timely, a new executive order dealing with court-martials just so happened to pop up. Here is... um, we're going to watch. We're going to we're going to play the clip of this video, but it says here President Obama signed an executive order promulgating the 2010 changes to the manual for court martial on August 31st, 2010. That just happened. Okay, the covering document is on the White House website, but the text of the changes is still neither there nor the Federal Register in the DOD websites as of 1045, September 2nd, 2010. The amendments will take place after September 30th, 2010. So there's a lot of stuff you still can't see, but I give you the whole link to the WhiteHouse.gov website and the whole text of the executive order regarding court-martials. And the reason, again, that they want to court-martial him is because he's trying to, to uh, uh, get, basically, um, what, he, what he's wanting to do is, is get access to Obama's records uh, for challenging his eligibility because he's not a natural-born citizen. But they won't release a thing. And not only that, they're going to court-martial the guy. Because how dare they... How dare he question this criminal in the White House right now? I'm just going to go ahead and read the rest of this, and then we'll play the video. It says, of course we would not be going through this mess had just one real man stood up January 9th, 2009, and gave objection to accepting the Electoral College vote to seal Obama Satoro's fraud as a newly minted president. In other words, there was nobody with a backbone in Congress or the Senate that would do this. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 12, verse 8, that the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Doesn't this seem like all we're talking about anymore is just wicked people? Wickedness? Well, when they when you exalt the vilest men, when a, when a nation exalts the vilest men like Obama, the wicked are going to walk on every side. That's what the Bible says. And then it goes on to say, not one man in U.S. Congress had the courage to stand for the truth. That's why I will not vote for any incumbent in Congress for any office. Representative Bill Bray, Bill Bray told his constituents the reason he couldn't find the courage to make the objection is, he said, because, quote, I would have been laughed at, end of quote. There's a good reason to be a coward. Recall the usurper's very first executive order, was on January 1st, 2009, regarding presidential records and access to them. So that was the first executive order that devil put through, making sure that nobody could have access to his presidential records. Isn't this unbelievable? Just, just, it's just, it gets worse every, you, you can't even believe how, how corrupt things are getting. Now, I've got four updates here on this particular 
court case that I listed. I also give you the links. I also give you the links to Debbie Kidd's website. I think she's got a probably a, an email list she sends to. And let's go ahead and let's just listen to this little video here because it's pretty enlightening. Okay, so we're going to roll the sound clip here. The following is documented in a WorldNet Daily article by Tom Redman, posted on September the 2nd, 2010. I will begin with a brief overview, and then I will reveal the judge's shocking revelation, which was stated in her official decision. Lieutenant Colonel Terrence Lakin is a physician in the United States Army. He is in his 18th year of service. He has called for his own court-martial hearing because he is refusing further deployment until the constitutional eligibility issue of the commander-in-chief is settled in a court of law. Army. In other words, he refuses to be deployed anywhere until we know the status of the commander-in-chief, the president. Because if he's not a valid president, if he's not a valid commander-in-chief, then the army... Or, or whatever faction the military he's with has no right to deploy him or give him any orders because we have a usurper in office. That's, that's, that's the rationale here. Colonel Denise R. Lind, the judge in a preliminary hearing, just ruled regarding the evidence to be allowed in the scheduled October court-martial of Lieutenant Lakin that he will be denied access to any of Obama's records as well as any testimony from those who may have access to the records. She effectively ruled that a military court is not the place for Barack Obama's presidential eligibility to be evaluated. Every federal case in this matter thus far, without exception, has denied the plaintiff's access to any requested documentation regarding the president's eligibility. No case has yet been heard on its merit with documentary evidence presented by the plaintiff in a court of law regarding Obama's constitutional eligibility to serve as president. No case has yet been heard which has settled the matter or determined Obama's guilt or innocence, his constitutional eligibility, one way or the other. While Colonel Lind ruled that it was not relevant for the military to be considering such claims, Lieutenant Lakin's civilian attorney said the case would continue and argued that under USC Rule 46, a defendant put on court-martial has the right to call any and all witnesses and obtain any evidence in his or her defense. Judge Lind, who took 40 minutes to read her decision to the court, disagreed and refused to allow Lieutenant Lakin to obtain the documentary evidence needed or the witness evidence needed to defend his court-martial case. And then surprisingly, shockingly, Judge Lind made the following argument in her reasoning for not allowing Lieutenant Lakin to continue with his documentary evidence gathering so necessary to his court-martial defense. She said, Opening up such evidence could be an embarrassment to the President, and it's up to Congress to call for impeachment of a sitting president. Wow! What is it that this military judge knows about the man in the White House? What is it that she is afraid that further evidence collection in a court-martial case may uncover? Was she sending a message to Congress that Barack Obama needs to be impeached? 
because of the embarrassing evidence that is available to them if they would only ask. Lakin's court-martial is scheduled for October the 13th through the 15th. Would you please send this video to your congressman? Okay, so that's the video there. Uh, again, it just reiterates and underscores the fact that don't expect to get justice in the American court system in today's day and age. Don't expect it. I saw what my parents went through for 10 years on a company that my dad had uh, that he sold to the fifth richest family in Minnesota. And they turned around and stole the company. Paid them a very small sum up front, turned around and actually stole the company, moved it up to Minnesota, sued him for the little bit that they had paid him, and sued him for all their legal fees because my dad was trying to get them in court to get his company back. This is a big thing that put my dad and my mom in the grave. Now I understand, based on my testimonies of times past about them, how I was able to lead them to the Lord, my dad on his deathbed, my mom not too long before she passed away, that had it not been for that, those set of circumstances, having everything stripped from them bare, they probably would have never got saved. So I'm not saying I'm mad at God, but what I am saying is what was done to them in the court system was one of the greatest travesties of justice I've ever seen. Ten years straight of my dad fighting this devil, this big company that had stolen this company from my dad and mom, and never once did they get a victory. It didn't matter how right they were in the law. It didn't matter uh, what they did and, and how well they presented things. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how good his representation was either. Because he couldn't win. Because the game was rigged and stacked against him. They had 50 attorneys, and they had done this to a whole bunch of other people, and to this company, and to companies like them that are under Illuminati management, and I'm convinced that this guy, this family, is probably a high-level occultist. To them, this is good business. Destroying the little man. Destroying other small countries. Stealing their inventions. My dad was an inventor. He invented this portable evaporative cooling fan. If you would have turned on the TV many times after he had invented this, you would see these fans on the sidelines at NFL games, Miami Hurricanes, Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, all kind of pro football teams had these fans. They were the best fan around. The company took the fan, ran it into a ground, ran it into the ground, cheapened its quality, and doubled the price and effectively ruined the product on top of stealing his company and suing him for the very little amount of money that they had paid him, plus their court costs. It was a $450,000 judgment on him he had hanging over his head for those 10 years. So my dad embarked on a 10-year crusade in the court systems to try to get this company back or get some form of justice that never, ever happened. You know how bad it got? You know how corrupt the court systems are in America? You know what they did? They ended up, my dad wouldn't go away because he was a fighter. Unsaved at the time, but he was a fighter. They flew in a federal judge, a big gun. I, re, I researched the guy. He was up on the internet. He, uh, he was a gun, he was a big federal judge for hire. They flew him in because it got to a federal court system at, at that point in our local jurisdiction. He had exhausted all of his remedies up in Minnesota. He was trying everything he could back in Florida. 
They flew this guy in for two to three months. He was here in Fort Myers, where we lived, just to rule against my parents. And guess what? He was from Minnesota. And he just so happened to be the one that ruled against my dad and put the final nail in that coffin of that court case. And the week my dad died, they were being foreclosed upon of their house for t- of 25 years. They just found out there was no more remedies there. They just found out there was no more remedies in the court system to get their, to get their business back. And they were essentially under eviction notice. And my dad had a massive heart attack Sunday night and we were going to start the move Monday. And he had a massive heart attack Monday night, and by 11 o'clock the next night, he had passed away. He was dead. He had such a massive heart attack, he'd been having one for actually four days, they said. But praise the Lord Jesus Christ, I do believe I led him to the Lord on his deathbed. And I gave that testimony of my dad's recent passing. You can key that in up at um, contendingfortruth.com or up on YouTube under Scott Johnson, my dad's recent passing. And I do believe that, that regardless of what Satan intended for evil... The Lord used it for his good and he got saved, just like my mom got saved. But I do believe it had a ton to do with their physical demise, all of the stress they were under for all those years. And there's people out there, there's companies out there, these same people that are in the Illuminati, these 13 families that essentially control the earth, and they're in direct control by fallen angels and Satan himself, they go around and they do, they try to destroy as many people and as many lives and inflict as much havoc as they can. They had 50 attorneys. They said, sue us. What are you going to do? They had already moved the company up to Minnesota. So it wasn't even our jurisdiction anymore. Anyway, I just wanted to say that because this doesn't surprise me about about what's happening to this lieutenant colonel. I, I've, I have seen it and, and lived through it and know all about this, know all too well how corrupt our court system has become. Let's go further. The next, the next article is entitled U.S. Courts Legalize CIA Abduction, Overseas Detention, Torture of American Citizens. How's that for a title? Whereas the Bible says in Psalm 94, 20 through 23, Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? Isn't that what we just talked about? Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee? Which frameth, when you frame something, like you frame the Constitution, they frameth mischief, they frameth evil by a law. Well, all of this draconian legislation, that this, this, this legislation that Obama just passed about court-martials, just to target this one guy, all of this draconian legislation that we get into on a week-to-week basis, they're framing mischief or evil by a law. They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. See, they think that they've won. They, the Illuminati thinks that, you know what? We, you're just sheeple people. We've won. We're going to rule and reign with Satan, and they're all so unbelievably self-deluded. I know they don't want to read the end of Revelation. They don't want to read how the Bible turns out, which is their end. Now, I don't want them to go to hell, but the reality is, is the Bible says, this narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. 
Um, there's a lot of wicked, wicked, wicked people out there that are bent on just creating as much havoc and evil. Why? Because they are of the father of the devil and of the lust and of his lust they will do. They do what their father does and they Satan is their master. So anyway, these are other these are just some verses that we can look to because we don't want to walk around in uh, abject fear. We want to be walked around in faith, not in fear of man, but faith in God. Uh, this article starts out by saying the Associated Press reports that the Obama administration has won a shocking victory in federal appeals court when the U.S. Federal Appeals Court ruled that innocent victims abducted and tortured by C- the CIA do not have a right to sue companies involved in facilitating the torture programs. Now, they're openly admitting this is happening. It's not even a subject of debate. They're openly admitting it's happening, and it has happened, and these... Um, Innocent victims that are abducted and tortured by the CIA, they don't have a right to sue uh, companies involved in the facilitating of these torture uh, programs. The lawsuit involves litigation against Boeing, Boeing the airplane makers, for its involvement in the U.S. CIA torture program of innocent U.S. citizens. The lawsuit charges that the U.S. citizens alleged to be terrorists were subject to illegal forced disappearances after which Boeing ran CIA black op or black operations torture flights of the alleged terrorism suspects during which the tortured citizens were flown in secret to secret overseas prisons where torture is legal. This is America now. This is how bad it's got. The five men involved in the litigation, there's five real guys, okay, Five men involved in litigation were originally abducted by the CIA and shipped to overse- this overseas uh, secret facility torture prisons based on suspicions that they were involved in the 9-11 attacks. And again, as I've said in the past, the official story about 9-11 is a bunch of garbage. And I have a whole uh, Word doc I can send you on that and or go up to YouTube and can loose change Final Cut and you can see more about that. Okay, I'm talking about the official story. Anyway, so far, three of these five men have been released because they were innocent and had no involvement in the attacks. According to the Associated Press, the three-judge panel on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals quickly dismissed the lawsuit after the U.S. government claimed the litigation would reveal state secrets along with top-secret U.S. government intelligence by a vote of two to one. So in other words, these people don't have any rights. They were totally innocent, and they were tortured and taken overseas, but... There's no legal recourse for you. Sorry, you little devil peon. Is basically what they're saying to these people. This is America. According to the Associated Press, the three-judge panel... uh, I already read that. The ruling effectively legalizes the abduction, overseas detention, and torture of innocent U.S. civilians by the CIA. The decision also removes the remedies innocent people who are tortured or detained can take against the CIA or corporations contracted by the CIA to run its black op program. Can you say fascism? Psalm 43.1 says, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. And again, that's the whole premise of Psalm 64. 
Praying Psalm 64. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of lane of snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow, suddenly shall they be wounded so they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. All men shall see in fear and declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. That's all of Psalm 64. Okay, and, and again, I don't believe you pray that prayer because you want to see people, you know, die and go to hell and have, you know, vengeance on them, and God's not going to honor that prayer. But when God does judge wickedness, it is a biblical fact that when he judges wickedness, all men will see and fear and declare the work of God, at least the men that have observed that, and, and they will wisely consider of his doing. When God brings down judgment in the Bible, good things always, always, always happen. Always. When Ananias and Sapphira were judged and they, and they died, great fear fell upon the Christians there and it says that many were converted. Many people got saved. See, that's the reason that we want God's judgment is ultimately for the salvation of others and ultimately so that wicked doesn't prevail. Because wicked is, is seemingly prevailing although God is on the throne. I'm just saying wickedness is abounding everywhere we look. God's judgment is the remedy for that wickedness. And um, that all men will see and fear declare the work of God, that they will wisely consider his doing. And then it's an encouragement, because it says, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord, shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. So it strengthens your faith when you see God's judgment in this particular way. And a lot of people can end up getting saved. And also, God knows the beginning from the end. He knows who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved. If God judges a wicked person and they're never going to get saved... And by his judgment, many get saved. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, the guy was only going to take people to hell with him anyway. He was only going to do wickedness anyway. If God knew he wasn't going to get saved, wasn't it a good thing that the guy got judged? If he was just going to do wickedness his whole life and defile people and maybe take more people to hell with him? Also, not only that, but when you pray Psalm 64, who is our real enemy? Well, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness. Okay, so... The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. So our, our battle is a spiritual battle. And honestly, I believe that's how Psalm 64 should be geared toward these wicked spiritual entities behind this evil that we're talking about. Okay? Because it's real easy to get focused in on the persons or the persons behind a religion when in reality it's the devils and demons and fallen angels that emanate and operate through those people. So let's go further. Um, another huge Building block in the building of the fascist economy. Maybe about ready to implement. President Obama proposes a national bank. Uh, this is from ABC News. President Obama today in Ohio is touting a trio of economic proposals, including a $50 billion plan to improve the nation's transportation system, and in doing so creating jobs to boost the country's sluggish economic recovery. The president tries to put his best face on, of what can only be described as a nightmare scenario, gover the government operating in its own bank. Again, we're dealing with fascism here now. I want America to have the best infrastructure in the world, the president said Monday in Wisconsin. 
vowing that the funds would help to repair or build 150,000 miles of roads, 4,000 miles of railways, and 150 miles of runways. Of course, everyone understands the need for a nation to keep its roads, its trains, its airplanes running as efficiently as possible. However, the sugarcoating is a thin attempt to hide the real disaster here. If the plan is approved by Congress, um, the projects would be financed by a government-run bank known as an infrastructure bank. According to the White House, the infrastructure bank would leverage federal dollars and focus on investments of national and regional significance that often fall through the cracks in the current transportation program. Since the federal government ultimately messes everything up, gets its hands into, it is not reassuring that our government is now going to have its own bank. Thus competing with privately owned banks, however, if you want to establish a fully functional fascist economy, then a government-run bank is a necessity. The Illuminati agenda continues to unfold before our very eyes. The Bush Treasury began to move us into a fascist economy in September of 2008 by proposing massive government bailouts, which began to flow in December of 2008. Then the Obama administration continued this bailout plan. Today the government severely regulates the industries of banking, insurance, and automakers. President Obama even fired the CEO of General Motors, which is a clear sign that our economy is now fascist, not capitalist. And now a really large piece of this fascist puzzle is proposed, a government-run infrastructure bank. Welcome to the economy of the New World Order. Okay, so that's the end of that article. Next article. This is entitled Tom Horn and Raiders E-News Journal Concerns. Now, I don't like to do this, but I'm sorry. I've got to say something, and I might catch a lot of flack for this, but um, I'm not saying Raiders News Network is not a great place to go up there and glean information. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I haven't been blessed by this ministry in a lot of different ways, but I am really getting concerned over some things I'm seeing lately with Raiders News Network. I wrote Tom Horn, and he's been on my email list for years, and I wrote him and I said, Tom, I am really confused and alarmed by a trend I'm seeing in one of your recent videos and articles that you are promoting. You are promoting Catholics in your most recent video, promoting your new book, with the Catholic priest guy speaking in Latin. And then I give you the link. See the first video promoting your new book. It's called The Forbidden Gate. And it's got this Catholic guy in there reciting Latin with a, like a, uh, I think it's like a crucifix. And this is how the book, this is how the video is portraying evil is dealt with through Catholicism. Okay? And then it says, you are also doing this by the articles below. What is going on? Catholicism is leading millions to hell and have butchered more true Christians than any other institution of the devil since Jesus Christ died on the cross. This is a very important matter, and I need to know where you stand on this, as I have referred a ton of listeners your ways over the years. Scott, never got a response. Which is pretty much, I hate to say, what I expected. Now, I'm going to read you these articles straight off his website. Okay, you can go watch the video, but the problem is, is if I play it for you, you're not going to get the full gist of it because it shows this Catholic, Catholic priest guy. I played, played it for you, Laura. You saw it. But it shows, and it's clearly this not-so-subtle um, promoting of Catholicism. And not only that, I thought, well, maybe it's an aberration. Well, I started reading through a lot of his current articles up there, and I'm getting all of this Catholic garbage shoved down my throat. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, 
I'm, I'm going to read this to you. This is one of his articles called Dealing with the Devil. Now, Grin, he didn't author it, but he's promoting it on his website. It's a link. Dealing with the Devil. Although cases of demonic possession have been recorded for centuries, Christopher Hasemann's case was something special. According to available information, Johann Christoph Hasemann was born in Bavaria in 1651. After the death of his father, the destitute painter reportedly entered into a pact with the devil in 1668, which involved nine years of service to Satan. Hasemann actually claimed to have made two pacts, the first pact being written in ink, and the second pact was written in blood a year later. While living in Austria, Hesman began experiencing terrible seizures on August 19, 1677. The seizures, which took place in a church, caused Hasman to be seized by heavy convulsions and thus brought to confess his bondage. That was a quote from the time. After telling the Catholic priests about his pact, I inserted Catholic because they are Catholic, after telling the Catholic priests about his pact with Satan, he went on a pilgrimage to a monastery at Marzell. Okay, we're dealing with Catholic stuff here, right? Austria, um, he, he went on a pilgrimage to a monastery in Marzell, Austria, to end his, to end his ordeal. The Marzell Basilica is still the most important pilgrimage site in Austria for Catholics and is known for its stunning architecture and religious icons. I mean, I keep, I'm keeping, uh, as I'm reading this, I'm keep, I keep waiting on him to expose Catholicism. Not happening. He's promoting it. Then it goes, or this article is, it must have been a natural choice for someone like Hazeman who wanted to rid himself of a demon. Now, hold on. You're telling me the Catholic Church is the way to go to rid yourself of demons? When that church itself is wrought from demons from top to bottom, and the majority of the priests in it are pedophiles? And the Pope himself calls himself the vicar of Christ. That word vicar means substitute of Christ on this earth. And what he said supersedes the Bible. And it's a religion based on works. Yeah, well, that's basically what they're saying here. After a round of exorcisms by Catholic priests, Hazeman found himself free of the devil's influence. Now, if you were reading this as a new Christian, you're thinking... Wow, the Catholic Church seems like the way to get free from demons. Tom Horn has a background in exorcism. What is he not so subtly doing here by promoting this? So, Hasman was free of the devil's influence after a round of exorcisms. And the blood pack was, quote, miraculously returned, was, was miraculously, I guess, broken. Unfortunately, the seizures began after Hasman left the monastery. So after he left the protective confines of the monastery, the seizures returned. Um, and he went to live with his sister in Vienna. After, as the seizures worsened again, along with convulsions, hallucinations of Christ and the Virgin Mary, and paralysis in his legs, Hasman confessed that he had a previous contract with the devil as well. A second pilgrimage to the monastery in May of 1678 led to more exorcisms until the other contract with Satan was broken as well. So the Catholic Church was the only way to, to, to break these contracts, evidently. Even though they themselves are, are, are a church of Satan, essentially. It's just repackaged pseudo-white witchcraft. The whole church, from top to bottom. So let's go further. 
Inspired by his rescue from the devil's influence, Christoph Hasman became a brother hospitaler. You know what that brother hospitaler is? I looked it up. The brother hospitalers of St. John of God are a Roman Catholic order founded in 1572. They're also commonly known as Fati Benefrati, meaning the do-good brothers. So they're the do-gooders of the Catholic churches. Okay? Taking people to hell one soul at a time should be their motto because that's all they're doing. So Christopher Hosma became a brother hospitaler, okay, which is a Roman Catholic order founded in 1572, and under his new name of brother Christosomus, he devoted himself to religious works, including artwork, until his death on March 14, 1700, where he went promptly to hell and is still there to this day. And I don't understand why they're promoting this garbage, why this is happening, okay? You're promoting the Catholic Church. I mean, I, they, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to warn them. The Bible says if you, if you see your brother overtaken in a fall, go to such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest they'll also be tempted. Well, I tried to go to him, but I got no response. And now I'm seeing more and more and more stuff up on his site. What am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to, to think? Do I just sit back and do nothing and say, well, I don't want to say anything about him because uh, I'm sorry. I've referred a lot of people that way and I have an obligation to my listeners more than I do offending a ministry. Um, and I've, a ministry I've already approached. Okay, here's, the, here's another article they write off their website. When Islam Abandoned Reason. In his new book, The Closing of the Muslim Mind, How Intellectual Suicide Created the Modern Islamist Crisis, Robert R. Riley traces the problem back to a thousand-year-old theological debate over reason and the nature of God. Inside Catholic editor Brian St. Paul spoke to him. And again, it goes on to say this, well, he's quoting inside Catholic editor. Why are we using Catholic sources now as though that's a valid good thing? I mean, it's, it's an alarming trend. Now, here's the next thing. I was just sent this by Raiders News Network and by another listener. Did you see this? Tom Horn's newest open letter to Christian leaders. Time is running out to influence the debate on transhumanism. Now, you know I've exposed transhumanism. I think that Raiders News Network has the finest research I've seen on transhumanism. I've said that. Okay? I have gleaned tremendously from the site. But, this other issue is a major issue that has to be dealt with. This is from September 14th of this year. This is by Thomas R. Horn. Listen to this. Dear Pastor and Christian Leader, this is an open letter. Brent Walters, director of Jerry L. and Mary Joy Steed Center for Ethics and Values, has written, quote, If Christians are to help shape contemporary culture, particularly in a setting in which I fear the post-human message will prove attractive, if not seductive, then they must offer an alternative and compelling vision, a counter-theological theological discourse, so to speak. Although the Vatican... Here we go. This is Tom Horn. Although the Vatican in 2008 issued a limited set of instructions on bioethics, primarily dealing with in vitro fertilization and stem cell research, this was entitled Digitalis Personae, or The Dignity of the Person. And here's a PDF you can click on of this Catholic document from the Vatican. Okay? And a handful of Christian scientists, policymakers, and other conservative academic Academics have hinted in public commentary on the need for a broader manifesto-like document on the subject. 
the church as an institution has failed at any concerted efforts to focus on the genetics revolution. Now, what is he... When I read this, I read it and reread it and reread it, and I said, you know what? It starts out saying, although the Vatican in 2008 issued a limited set of instructions on bioethics, meaning it's almost like that's the best thing that we've had, even though it was a limited set of instructions and, and came from the Vatican, and it was a limited set of instructions, the church as an institution has failed at any concerted effort to focus on the genetics revolution. In other words, the Catholic Church did some good on this by introducing this this uh, digitalis personae, or the dignity of the person. But otherwise, the church as an institution, what is he doing here? He's connecting the Catholic, the Vatican, as part of the church. So in other words, if the Catholics had done a better job or maybe worked in conjunction with Christian people, well, then the church as an institution might have succeeded. Do you understand the implication here? You, I mean, it's, it's... I don't think it's subtle. I think it's obvious and blatant. But it, you could say it's subtle. Okay, well, let's go further. This is Tom Horn writing. While the Vatican's digitanus personae likewise failed to provide instructions on the greater issue of biological enhancements. Its positional paper did provide an important bird's-eye view on the clash of developing between traditional morality and the contradictory adoption of a transhumanist philosophy by Christian apologists. Again, we have the same inference. We have this Vatican's Digital says it failed to do this, but... It did provide an important bird's eye view on the clash between developing traditional morality and a contradictory adoption of transhumanist philosophy. So it did do some good, this Catholic document, this Vatican document, and it was in, in philosophy by Christian apologists. Well, he's saying that the Vat- that this paper from the Vatican, which did provide some good things, was actually provided by Christian apologists. Who are the Christian apologists? The Vatican. The people that wrote the paper. I'm reading this in disbelief. And then it says, who likewise have begun to question what it means to be human and whose competing moral vision could ultimately shape the future of society. I don't go to Catholic sources to justify my position on a biblical matter. I don't want to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers as the Bible commands me not to do. I don't want to give people the wrong impression within, like my listeners, for instance, I don't want to give them the wrong impression that it's okay to go and quote Catholic sources in order to justify my position as a Christian. I don't. Even, I want to flee from all appearance of evil, right? That's what the Bible says to do. We're supposed to abstain from all appearance of evil. Well, when you start quoting the Vatican and start using their documentation and start using that as the, as the backbone of your argument, doesn't it appear that you're yoking yourself up with this God-forsaken devil institution called the Catholic Church? I mean, I, this is just, this is disheartening for me. I didn't want to do this. But I don't know what else to do because every time I turn around, I'm seeing something more come from Raiders, Raiders News Network in this not-so-subtle promotion of Catholicism. Now, let's go even further. I'm reading right from Tom Horn's newest letter. 
Immediately following the release of Digitanus Personae, Catholic scientist William B. Neves, in an essay for the National Catholic Reporter, again, here we go, we've got the release of this Catholic Vatican document, Catholic scientist William B. Neves, in an essay to the National Catholic Reporter, it's like, that's all we're using now, or Catholic sources now. And that's okay, evidently. But that's the impression you'd get if you read this. Catholic scientist William B. Neves, in an essay for the National Catholic Reporter, reflected the new biblical exegesis causing reporter Robert Dreyer to describe it as clearly illustrating this type of Christianity that is eager to jettison the old morality and embrace the new. Christian leaders are either asleep at the wheel or actively engaging in ideological warfare. I found it ironically profound that he would say Christian leaders are asleep at the wheel when he's over here promoting Catholicism. I mean, you got to be pretty much asleep at the wheel to promote Catholicism. I mean, it is pure wickedness, pure idolatry, an abomination in the sight of God. It is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which Jesus Christ says in Revelation, I believe chapter 2, that he hates the priesthood over the laity, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And it's taken millions and millions of people to hell, and it's slaughtered millions and millions of martyrs who are born-again Bible-believing Christians in every horrifically perverse manner that you could possibly ever conceive, including burning people at the cross, including taking whole families and chaining them up together and throwing them in lakes, including every manner of torture devices that they could that they could devise in their wicked mind during the Middle Ages and killing people. That was okay. That was okay for the Catholic Church to do all that. Evidently, that's all been forgiven. And they're, I guess, part of the true church now. Well, they call themselves the mother church, right? Well, that's where the Protestants came out of, through Martin Luther. And I hate to say it, but the Protestants, the reason they got their name is because they were protesting the Catholic Church. I don't call myself a Protestant. I call myself a born-again Bible-believing Christian. I don't want anything to do with that stuff. Nothing. Then you have the other true Christians that came up, like the Waldensians and the Lombards and, and the Anabaptists that came up And they were the ones that were martyred and hunted down, for the most part, by the Catholic Church. Because they knew better that this was corrupt, devil doctrine. And they wanted nothing to do with it. And they were willing to die for it. Now, he goes on to say, Christian leaders are either asleep at the wheel or actively engaged in ideological warfare for the mind of a generation whose members today are desperately seeking reasons to believe, despite everything they are being told, that the church remains relevant. To fail this responsibility will be to abdicate and frightening transhumanist vision of the future, such as was predicted by theologian and Christian apologist C.S. Lewis. So now we're going to start quoting C.S. Lewis, which he does at length. Who I've done a gigantic study on, C.S. Lewis and all of the, oh my word, I wouldn't even know where to begin on C.S. Lewis. I've done a whole study on that. I've done radio interviews. I, I, I give you my study on him. I give the link right below it. I give you five links you can click on if you have any doubts about the Catholic Church or C.S. Lewis. I have a study I did called C.S. Lewis in his own words. I quote from his writings. And yet still people would say, well, I don't care. He was, he was still a Christian. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Okay? 
All you have to do is look at what the guy clearly spoke out of his own mouth. C.S. Lewis was an occultist. He was a flat-out occultist. And I'm talking, he was into some high-level stuff. His buddies were into some high-level stuff. Order of the Golden Dawn. We're talking the same organization that Aleister Crowley was in. But he got out of it because it wasn't quite hardcore enough for him. The Order of the Golden Dawn. But a lot of C.S. Lewis's buddies were in that. And there's a good chance he was in it, but he just wasn't going to admit to it. Click on my, my teaching on C.S. Lewis and see if you can refute it. I've never had anybody do it. I'm not saying, well, it's his own words. I'm not using my opinion. I'm giving you book, chapter, verse, or wherever he's, he's quoting stuff. And then I also have three teachings on the Catholic Church. Catholic Church Takeover, Catholic Church Doctrines of Devils, and Catholic Church uh, Priest Pedophiles. You can click on all those. And I've done more than that, but those are just some of the ones I've done. Anyway, now Tom Horn, uh, quoting, uh, predicted by theologian and Christian apologist. He should be exposing C.S. Lewis, not promoting him. He should be exposing the Catholics, not promoting them. It says C.S. Lewis and the abolition of man. Lewis foresaw the day when transhumanist and scientific reasoning would win out. Permanently undoing mankind through the altering of species. Ultimately reducing homo sapiens to utilitarian products. Lewis foresaw the progressive abandonment of what we would call moral law. Based on Christian values giving way to the dead hand of the great planners and conditioners who would decide what men should biologically become. Well, you know what? Lewis might have saw that day, but you know what? Everybody's not going to go in for that. I'm not going to go in for it. I hope my listeners don't go in for it. I hope the body of Christ don't go in for it. I'm not just going to sit here and give up and say, well, the day's coming. We're just all going to become post-human, transhuman. We'll have our microchips and our neural implants and we'll be vaccinated to the gills of foreign DNA and we won't even be human anymore. Well, yeah, I think those days are coming. But a true born-again Bible-believing Christian, you know, God's going God's to provide a way. And, you know, I mean... The mark of the beast, if it comes down to that, you know what the Bible says. You know, and I don't want, you know. Yes, it's dire consequences, but just remember, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not under the death. So, you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ can give you that kind of faith when you need it. You might say, oh, I can't do, I can't. No, you can. Under your own power, you can't do it. Okay? But the Lord Jesus Christ can give that, can impart that to you. In fact, he's the only one that can impart that to you. You think the martyrs were, were just really, really brave and they were just, yeah, they were really brave, but you know what? They put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about them. It was about, it was like John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. I remember a guy, a guy I really respected a lot. I still do uh, in my old church, and, and um, he had given me a book to borrow, and he wrote that verse number in the um, the the cover, front cover of the book. Just that verse number. I, I'm not sure exactly which one it, when it is, but that verse that by John the Baptist, which is a really great way to live our lives. When John the Baptist said, I must decrease, and he, meaning Jesus Christ, must increase. That's an awesome verse, if you think about that. And and um, that's how I think he tried to live his life. I, I, I love him. Remember Stan Taylor? I love Stan. I saw him not too long ago. Um, 
I love him. Anyway, next article. Another thing I, I think I have to say something about. Here's here's a email from Eric, one of my listeners, and it's entitled, Is Jesse Woodrow Selling Out? Hi, Scott. Do you know Jesse Woodrow? He was a former actor, and he became a Christian and had a Christian radio show and also many YouTube movies about the New World Order stuff and that like. Suddenly, all of his videos are gone, and he has left some old snippets from his acting career. It looks like he sold out and is now going back to acting, but some people think that he doesn't make sense and think that something might have happened to him. This is really weird, so he gives me a whole bunch of YouTube clips. Uh, then he goes on to say, also, I didn't like his, enthu- his quote enthusiasm, which he always had in his videos. It was really kind of annoying. I'm afraid he really did sell out. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so proud of having made advertisements for those companies and playing in a series like Charmed, which is the show about witchcraft. Uh, and he was in that. Also, this doesn't seem to bother him. I listened to his last radio show, and somebody called and asked him why he removed his video from YouTube where he exposed Disney. And he said that he had to do it because he is a, quote, a YouTube partner now, and that he should have become a YouTube partner much earlier. So evidently, you know, you got to get big, and in order to get big, you got to compromise. You know, you got it. You can't talk about certain stuff. You know what? That's the reason that I've hardly ever yoked up with anybody. Because, you know, I find out the more that I've yoked up with other, I'm not saying all ministries, but some of the ministries I've tried to partner with a little bit, it always ends up coming back to bite me. I always have to either be put in a position where I'm compromising or doing something. So you know what? I just don't do it with anybody anymore. I would just rather um, kind of be uh, where I'm at right now and not have to to um, owe anybody or shut my mouth about something in order to appease some ministry or some institution. Uh, it also gives you a lot of freedom if you can operate that way. Anyway, um, so he had to remove his thing about Disney. Now, I've done a whole series on Disney. You can go up to Contending for Truth and just key in Disney. I've done, oh my words, like 10 parts on how wicked and evil Disney is. Uh, and I mean, it is so overwhelming on Disney, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And that's why it ended up being like 10 parts. Then he goes on to say, it's really sad, but he also had weird beliefs in the first place. He sold a DVD, which I unfortunately bought where he claims that the big mystery, which Paul mentions in the epistles, is that Jesus is the same as the Father, and that God's name is actually Jesus, and that was the reason why God never told his name in the Old Testament, because he wanted to keep it secret. Okay, and then he says, totally weird stuff. I I commented on one of his videos, and I told him that this was false, and I quoted Bible verses, but he erased the comments. And then he's, and it's entitled Eric, okay? And my response to Eric. It appears by the caption off his own website that I went up to, and I checked all this out, that he is just another pseudo-Christian who sold out to Satan. Jesse, and I'm reading right off his website. It says, Jesse has had a very successful career in Hollywood. He has modeled and been a spokesman for the biggest and brightest companies from around the world, such as Sky Vodka, Beefeater Vodka, Ordeal, L Ordeal, which is another liquor company, I think. Coors Light, Guess, Apple Computers, and we've done stuff on Apple. Yves Saint Laurent, along with being one of the most sought-after models in Hollywood. He has been asked to appear in a number of movies and TV shows. He is most notable for playing Rose McGowan's boyfriend, Glenn, in Charmed, the witchcraft show. Okay? 
He has starred in films with Reese Witherspoon, Paris Hilton, Selma Blair, Alyssa Milano, Holly Mayer Combs, and his latest film, Something's Wrong, is Ca- Something's Wrong in Kansas, is due out later this year. And again, I give you all the links to his own website. I went up there and I watched some of these clips, and I mean, they're like, you know, he's making out with a girl, and, you know, the guy, I think the thing that bothered me most about him when I would watch him is he looked like he was stoned. He look, he's like, yeah, man, I mean, <laughs> this is how it's going to go. I mean, I'm like thinking, Jesse, dude, if you're a Christian, you don't want to, you're supposed to abstain from all appearance of evil. We're supposed to be sober and vigilant. He acted like he was high on something. I mean, his eyes even look glazed over. You know, I had a lot of friends in, in college that, that, I mean, they get high three, four times a day. And I, I was before I was a Christian and a born-again Christian, but... I mean, I know what that look looks like. I've been around it. And he had it in spades. I'm sorry, but he really did. And when I saw all this, and I'm thinking, why, if, if he was, why would he leave these clips up on his site? It wasn't like he left anything of a Christian nature. He left all the wicked stuff up there about glorifying the wickedness in his life with no apologies. So, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't follow after Jesse Woodrow in any way, shape, or form at all. And I then I said I, I I end it by saying nobody gets to where he has got to in Hollywood without being a total sellout. Personally, I just got sick of him posting his videos where he looked and acted totally stoned, which seemed to be his usual demeanor. Second Timothy four three through four says, "I charge thee therefore before God." And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in the kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away from their ears from truth, and shall be turned unto fables. I have seen this more and more and more and more. People being turned away from truth and unto fables. People seeking teachers having itching ears. And these teachers are not preaching sound doctrine. I tell everybody, don't follow me. Don't follow Scott Johnson. Follow the word of God. Hopefully I can help you in that process. Okay? But I'm not about building a following so people can follow me. I can't save you. The only one that can save you is the Lord Jesus Christ through his word. Okay? So, you know... This thing with Jesse Woodrow, I mean, it, it had been grating on me for a long, long time. And then this all happened, and it just kind of confirmed what I had already kind of been feeling. 1 Timothy 6, 20-21 says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely, so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. I just thought, I thought those, those verses were pretty appropriate in regard to the subject. Next article, Man is arrested for defending his property. In Long Island, George Greer was arrested for firing an AK-47 in his lawn to deter approaching gang members who were threatening his life and that of his family. He says, quote, this just this is from uh, a few days ago, 9, 8, 10. I went around and went into the house. I ran upstairs and told my wife to call the police. 
I got the gun and I went outside and I came into the doorway and by now, by this time, they were in my driveway, this, all these gang members, okay, back near the house. I tell them, I tell them, can you please leave, Greer said. Okay? Uh, Greer said the five men dared him to use the gun and that their shouts brought another larger group of gang members into the front of his house. He starts threatening my family, my life. They say, oh, you're dead. I'm going to kill you and your family and your babies. You're dead. So when he, when he says that, 20 other guys come rushing around the corner. So I fired four warning shots into the grass, Greer said. Greer was later arrested. John Lewis is Greer's attorney. And then uh, Greer's, what he says, John Lewis says, is what he is initially charged with is felony reckless endangerment, which requires a depraved indifference to human life, creating a risk that, something's gonna, that someone's going to die. Shooting into the lawn does not create a risk of anybody dying, said his attorney, which is very true. Greer said he knew the police used what they call shot spotter, technology, and by firing the warning shots into the ground, police would arrive within minutes. They've got this technology, it's really big brotherish, where they hear shots within a city, and this shot spotter technology knows exactly where the shots are coming from, and police cars are dispatched. It's, it's freaky stuff. Yeah, but they've got that. The real issue here is whether or not a man owns his property, and if he does, he sh shouldn't he be able to defend his property with deadly force if necessary? A man's Woman home is his or her castle. They ought to be able to defend such by whatever means are reasonably necessary. I mean, would it have been more reasonable for them to say, oh, yes, Mr. Gang members, come here, um, kill me, kill and rape my, my wife and my daughters because I don't want to offend you or do something politically incorrect. I mean, that's the day and age we're coming into, basically. And, and from what I said from the original thing, these were, I think, uh, some kind of Mexican gang. I wonder how many of them were illegal aliens, you know? The article doesn't state what happened to the gang after he fired the warning shots. My guess is they scattered pretty quick once they realized Greer was holding a loaded peacemaker. Yeah, my too. Now, I have a little clip here, uh, just a little thing. It's titled, Biblical Resistance to Tyranny. And uh, we put in here, protection of our families is part of providing for our families. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own house... And especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, in the context of this verse, Noah Webster 1828 divines the word provide, because it's as if any man provide not for his own house, especially be of his own house, the word provide is defined in the Romans Webster 1828, which most accurately defines those words of the King James Bible in the times they were written. Provide is, the definition is, to pro either Procure supplies or means of defense. Or to take measures for counteracting or escaping an evil. In other words, do you just let them come in your house and, and rape your wife and your daughter and do nothing? Is that Christian? Because some people would say, well, that's what we should do. We can't do anything. Well, it's one thing to turn the other cheek. It's another thing, I think, for them to come in and rape everybody and, and do all manner of evil to your wives and your children. I put two articles here um, on the doctrine of self-defense from John Weaver, who is one of my favorite all-time pastors. Just love the man. And uh, you can listen to those. Those are sermon audio. He's one of the last ones that haven't been kicked off of sermon audio. I don't think they kicked off... Uh, I, I know they kicked off Pastor Slattery. 
and or, or Mike Slattery and but Sam Adams, I think it was a it was a glitch in the billing. I'm pretty sure he's back on. So I had said that Sam Adams got kicked off. I, I don't think that's the case, but I haven't rechecked the website. Anyway, um, that's all we have really time for today. And uh, um, okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead because we didn't cover any on the golf this week. I'm going to go ahead and just play the short video and then cover some of the main headlines, and then we'll kind of pick up next week. Uh, We'll try to get to some more of the health topics that I had scheduled for this week. It just I just don't have time to do it this week. We're already at about, oh my word, three hours and probably going to be about 40 minutes with this teaching. So I'm, I'm almost out of, uh, of recording time on my recorder. So I'm going to go ahead and play this. We don't even know the long-term effects, but we know they're going to be bad down the road. So everybody down here, no matter if you're parasailing or you're laying by the beach, you're absorbing. There's no cautious way to happily absorb poison. Okay, now remember, this this uh, is on the Gulf updates, and this art, this little video is from the Gulf Stream to the Bloodstream. The video BP does not want you to see. Okay, so this is about the Gulf Coast region. The decision that was made in the first place was to either save the water column or save the marshes and the estuaries, keep it out of people's eyesight. What they decided to do was sink it. Didn't realize the bubbles was not sea foam. It was Corexit that started activating on it. About 15 minutes after that on the boat, my throat esophagus was burning so bad, I was almost screaming. And it hurt. And it really hurt bad. I started noticing this white floating sand bubbles. I mean, it wasn't normal bubbles, but... You know, and you'd go to scoop it up, and it spread apart. And then, if you put it into a container, it, it'd go down to the bottom as, as sand. Something I had never seen in my 61 years on Cotton Bow. I got deathly sick. I threw up for hours upon hours. Never in my life. I didn't think I was going to make it the next morning. Don't think that everything is fine because it's not fine. Either way the wind blows, we're getting it over here. And I kept wondering, why? When I come outside of this climate control house, why my arms started breaking out again when they were clearing up? Well, now no. After the accident, it turned out that the industry was not prepared. What are you monitoring? Where are you monitoring? What chemicals are you monitoring? How often? And where are the... Flipping results. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't care how safe they say, and they're out there testing and doing this, that, and the other. Oh, you need to eat this and that. Um, they're covering it up. If the FDA's waved its magic wand and says that the Gulf's clean, the seafood's safe, let's get some FDA mobile units on our docks and let's actually do some chemical testing. We're just not breathing it for a short period of time. You're breathing it all day long for days. Tourists who don't know, who don't live here, have no idea, come down and put their children in it. We filmed it and turn around and say, the beach is good today. Let's go to the zoo. We've got an excellent Walmart. Only in the United States has the system been corrupted to the extent where you could actually pull this off here. Normally the simple answer is, and the easy answer is the right answer, and everybody was having the same kind of symptoms, so I couldn't ignore it and say that it was just a heat wave. It settles in your tissues and it settles in your organs, and 
five to ten years, I could come down with some kind of nasty form of cancer and die. The tests that the government and BP have been recommending show absolutely nothing. So for a long time, these tests were being done, and they were the wrong tests. Nobody else knew what kind of paneling to use, so we decided to step forward and start testing. Three different labs, three different doctors, and the same components. What we're talking about is like ethyl benzene and xylene, two menthol pentane, three menthol pentane, hexane. Those don't even have a national standard of comparison. These chemicals are showing up in air analysis that's independent from the water analysis and tarball analysis and the bloodstream analysis. It's going to be a cultural genocide if they do not test the seafood and make sure that it's safe. Not only to protect our, our fishermen, but hello, what about the consumer? So what you do then, this, this is a, an economic and political question. Are you safeguarded? So why should people be concerned? People should be concerned that this would be allowed to happen right underneath their noses. That's being told that there's zero hydrocarbons in the water is pretty hard to believe when you can look down and see a tarball for yourself. The volatile solvent profile um, breaks down and looks for hydrocarbons uh, in the bloodstream. And it tests for nine different toxins. And you can order it up. Any doctor can use it as long as he can uh, perform phlebotomy in-house. And you send it off to a lab in Georgia, and that's where they do the testing. So the doctor, the only thing that he has to do is actually draw the blood and take the visit and be prepared to um, be able to assist someone after they're diagnosed. Well, I've been working with um, Coastal Heritage Society, and uh, people can contact the Gulf Coast Oil Spill Volunteers Wall, also Project Gulf Impact for their helpline. Um, any of those numbers would get back to us, and we're trying to set up doctors in different areas. We're begging for doctors to please come forward and use this volatile solvent profile. Please, please, people need it. So what they're trying to do is, is uh, projectgulfimpact.org. They're pr trying to get these doctors to use this volatile solvent profile blood testing so that they can start documenting the poisoning of the population in mass. Uh, but again, you know, I, I don't expect a whole lot from the medical profession. I really don't. They're, they're like puppets on a string, and I really do not think they're going to be encouraged by the powers that be to implement this and do this. And um, the next article here is Project Gulf Imp Impact explains the blood test and the people that have been poisoned. Um, Project on the Project Impact radio show, Project Gulf Impact explained the recent blood tests that were released. This information is extremely important, and everyone, especially the people in the Gulf, should hear the show. Now, this is like an expansion on the little video that we just heard. Now, I can't play it. It's too long. But if you want to know more about it, this link will be up on the PDF associated with this teaching. Uh, then it goes on to say, after we released the results, we were literally flooded with questions. We sent them off to PGI, whatever that is, and they answered them on their radio show. Oh, Project Golf Impact. So I guess the these questions were answered on the air, and so if you want to know more about that. Now, just to conclude things, just going to read you some of the current headlines that we got this week. First one is Destin, Florida, smelly black mat. Hundreds of yards long, trapping marine life, nothing but pitch black water with sludge-like waves. BP says it's seaweed.
and there's no oil. So again, you're just dealing, you know, all these subjects we talked about today on all of the pure evil, the depths of Satan. This is just another extension of the depths of Satan that we're, that we're exposing here. Next article, scientists from NOAA used data from just 12 samples of shrimp to say it was safe to reopen 5,130 square miles of the Gulf for shrimping and fishing. So this devil scientist from NOAA took 12 samples of shrimp and on that concluded it was safe to reopen 5,130 square miles of ocean. I tell you something, I wouldn't eat any seafood from the Gulf. Nothing. Next article, more Gulf residents' blood tests show ethylbenzene, xylene, and high levels of hexane. Told they need a high-resolution scan of their lungs, brain, liver, and kidneys. Now, every one of these is a link to a lead story. Okay, so I, I can't get into all of the stuff. I just can't do it anymore. I don't have time. I didn't even have time. We got 20 pages into a 34-page PDF that I prepared for this week at a 10-point font. Normally, I do a 12-point font. This was 10. This, If I would have done it at 12 points, it'd probably be 38 or 39 pages just for this week. That's how much time I'm putting in now on these PDFs. I just can't even keep up with the news anymore. It's just overwhelming. It's like an avalanche of evil that I'm trying to keep you informed about. And this is something where you could definitely be destroyed for lack of knowledge if you don't know about it. Oh, well, I'm going to eat that Gulf seafood. I'm going to... I'm going to uh, go to the beach and swim in the water in the Gulf, and I'm going to, well, you know, that's something that could be really important to a lot of people if they're not educated about. Uh, next article, more Gulf, okay, and we already read that one, developing, now Naples, which is near where the area where I was from, now Naples area waters testing shows chemical compounds that can only come from Corexit 9527, which was the one they said was supposedly banned, or they stopped using uh, next article, air quality testing near Tampa shows the highest level of VOC-created chemicals uh, of anywhere along the Gulf Coast. Borderline unhealthy for sensitive groups. These are just very, very bad respiratory things. Uh, methane and hexane and xylene and ethylbenzene and all these other things. Um, Next article, octane in your blood. Humans on the Gulf Coast now show dangerous levels of toxic exposure. Hexane is way high. Treatment for organ damage recommended. And there's a lab report here. Most of these either have a video or an audio clip to go along with the report. Uh, next article, breaking. Three different doctors find PAHs, heavy metals, and arsenic in the blood of Gulf Coast residents. Some are, some are really inland. Meaning people that are living way far inland are now showing all these horrific things in the blood. Not just for coastal residents. I'll be honest with you, that's a big reason we got out of there. You know, and not only that, I believe the Lord opened the door for it. But but we got out of there because I helped, I felt heavily convicted that this thing was not going to get any better. And that a cover-up is going to ensue until they just can't cover it up anymore. And when that'll be, I don't know. But when it does happen, there's a good chance they'll impose martial law in that area. And the whole state will go on lockdown, or those regions. And then you won't be able to get out of Florida. So, this is not over. This is just the beginning. And not only that, we told you last week how the Gulf, uh, the Gulf um, 
the loop current has actually stalled now due to this spraying of the corrects, due to this oil, and then that could that could uh, result in massive um, crop kills and food shortages worldwide because that has a lot to do with powering the Gulf Stream, which has a lot to do with um, hot and cold patterns in, in, in crops and things like that on a worldwide scale. We're talking, this is really turning into something that's probably the greatest ecological disaster in probably who knows since when. Uh, next article. Uh, exclusive. Test find. Sickened family has 50.3 per, part per million of Corexits to butyl ethanol in swimming pool. Just one hour north of Tampa. We've reported on that one. Next one. Toxic rain, says NSF-funded geochemist. It may be well raining hydrocarbons far inland from the coast. Far inland. Next article. Uh, let's see here. BP cleanup workers is sick from the chemicals used to contain the oil. He's forced out after being hospitalized. Next article. Florida and Alabama area. Tests show ethyl benzene, other hydrocarbons in blood of coastal residents. Everyone is getting sick. It's becoming an aerosol. Uh, there's a video for that one. Next article, 1,000 parts per billion of toluene found inland in waters near the Florida border. That's pretty far inland. Hydrocarbon levels that exceed safe exposure limits present, present in multiple areas results in an audio. So, <laughs> now, there's other stuff. I just don't have time to get into it today. We're, we're already almost at 3 hours and 40 minutes for these three studies today. Um, so, we'll try to pick up next week and get as far as we can get. Uh, just pray for us that, that the Lord will continue to open these, these doors for us to get this information out and whatever you can do to get the word out, to warn other people, you know, in as much as the Lord convict you, you know, just do it whatever way that the Lord's opening the door for you because there's a lot of people that are being destroyed for lack of knowledge on a lot of different levels and this is what we try to expose on a weekly basis. I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I thank you for letting us come together again for another teaching, Lord. I pray, Lord God, wherever your truth or your word is being preached worldwide, that you would bless it, that you would prosper it, that you would open the eyes of the blind and stop the ears of the deaf, Lord God, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive, Lord, regarding this information. The words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, that you would totally guide us in the way that you would have us pray regarding these situations, um, that we would always keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would increase our faith, Lord God, that we would remember to put on the full armor of God every day, and remember where our true battle actually lies uh, with, the, with the actual uh, demonic fallen angelic spirits with Satan himself that are the ones that are actually behind all of these abominations that we report on on a weekly basis. Um, I pray, Lord God, that you would um, use us mightily for your glory and that through us and the body of Christ, Lord, that you would lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.